0: a really clean intro there, folks. It's Thursday. I'm Fred McMurray. It's 2 p.m. Pacific, which means this has to be... (laughs) Ladies, you ready for another show?
1: Yeah, Kristen, you're muted.
2: I just did an Elizabeth. (laughs) It's Friday Eve. Yes, it's Friday
3: Eve. Kid and
4: Elizabeth. Mm, very He's bad, very
1: right.
3: bad. I don't know if that's the reputation I really want, but I'll guess <laughs> it
1: is what it
2: is. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. Welcome to Pillars of Franchising, everybody. It is Friday Eve, and we are live here with a great guest today. But first, of course, we begin each show with a word on the street. Ooh.
3: So, and I have some exciting news, that I haven't even told you yet. Oh, wait, what? Seriously? Yeah. This guy that we're about to talk about is has agreed to come on the show. You got him. I got him. Yeah. Haven't got a date pinned down yet, but he he's willing to come on. So let's tell everybody who he is. His name is Sean Sharif. He's young. Yes. He came over from Pakistan in the 80s. Started at low-level KFC, uh, working you know a, a hourly rate job and has persisted over the years with franchising, took a little bit of a side segue into insurance, yep. but now has one of each brand in the YUM system. He's got the Taco Bell, the KFC, the Pizza Hut, and the Habit Burger, and he's yeah. doing really, really well and has developed this love of franchising and leadership. So yep. I'm really excited to talk to him about just exactly how you come in as, a, as an 18-year-old immigrant yep, and work your way through this he loves the YUM brand Uh, Franchise models.
2: I have to tell you, you know when I read his story, you know I sent this to you a couple weeks ago when I first saw it and I was like, oh my gosh What a great story a true like coming to America story, right? Mm -hmm. And and especially over the last couple years has been all this kind of, you know negativity and stuff so these kinds of stories really moved me and Not only just the fact that he came here and made such a great life for himself and his family but he had some really great things to say about franchising in general. And one of the questions, this actually came from um, Franchise 500, actually, by Entrepreneur. And one of the questions they said is, what can franchisees do to uphold franchise, uh, franchise, franchise or
5: yeah.
1: loyalty?
2: And it was so simple, right? Just do what they ask you to do, right? And we talk about that on the show all the time about just follow the system. It's not hard from a complication standpoint. Is it hard work? Yes. Do you have to do your part? Yes. Um, But it's very interesting. And when they said, you know what, what piece of advice would you offer to new franchisees? He's like, don't screw anybody over, right? Just be authentic, be true, be true to the brand, do your best, right? And it's so simple. If you owe your employees 50 bucks, give them 55. It's not the end of the world, right? Such a down to earth,
3: pay it forward. He hasn't forgotten his roots.
2: No,
6: not so he, at all.
3: Because in his mind, when, you, when he says, if, if you owe him 50, give him 55, he says, you got five bucks. To them, it's a meal. Yeah, um, yeah. So keeping, having kept that in mind, I think, makes him an even better leader. And talking about brand loyalty, it's like, you know, when, when you make a mistake, you might lose a customer or two. But if you do something atrocious, it reflects the whole brand. You're yeah. the KFC guy who did this horrible thing. So he's very cognizant of his individual impact, but also his impact on a system.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, um, I'm afraid of food (laughs) because (laughs) it's not what I know, right? And everybody always says, well, if you've not worked in food before, you know, that's not where you want to make your first move in franchising is food. And so um, when I read this and the things he said about it, I'm like, wow, you know, he really was inspiring for me. Um, he said, why have you stuck with the same franchisor all these years? And he says, it's just so simple to me, right? Like, if you have something good, why why rock the boat? I know the brand. I can open a location and not be worried about how their operation is going to run. I feel that if I were to go to another brand, I'd be downgrading myself. All the franchise coaches we have are really nice people. I'm a five-star operator, but I've got 40, or I'm sorry, a five-store operator, but I have 40 people working behind me. This is exactly what we talk about. We talk about this is the beauty of being in a franchise system with a strong franchise or with all the team behind you. They're not in your business every day, but they're there as a backup if you need them. You set the culture for your businesses, but they're there if you need something in the background. And well,
1: what are the other Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay
2: and this is really important to me because this is the one thing when I talked last week with vetted biz um, about Molly made, we talked a little bit about how these brands helped the franchisees in COVID. Right. And again, so I read this, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I almost want to buy a restaurant. And I go, no, I don't no, I don't. Um, (laughs) What has young brands done? I'm sorry. How has young brands been there for you as a franchisee? And he said, they've always been coming up with new stuff, which helps us bring in more customers. And then there's the support you get for instance, when COVID started, right away, KFC and Taco Bell emailed all the franchisees saying you can postpone your, postpone your royalty sale for 60 days or 90 days. Don't worry about it. Run your restaurant and do whatever you can. Who does that?
3: Yeah. And then he talked about by by the brand doing that, it allowed him to pay it forward to his employees and they yeah. have a little more flexibility you need to try to work with them a little bit more as people were off for being sick or off for childcare yep. or whatever it was. So when you have a solid brand like that, that pay it forward mentality is really critical to the success of the whole entire system.
2: And that's exactly what he did, Elizabeth, when they were closed. And, and now, okay. So this is also part of, if you, if you follow the program with PPP, mm-hmm. they were closed and they still paid their employees. I mean, yeah. it, and, So we talk a lot about culture, right? That's what he's doing is building the culture. And I really hope for him that he didn't lose any of his employees because he did the right thing with the circumstances and all. He did the best he could with what he had at the time. So hats off to him. I cannot wait to have him on the show. So I'm really super excited. I'm glad you were able to get a hold of him. So uh, Sean, Sharice, we are excited. I am super excited to talk to you soon. Hats off to you. And young we will, brand, We'll
3: pin it down in the next couple of days, hopefully. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to awesome. be a great story. Yay. Just like our guest
2: today. <laughs> Another food, right? I Like, okay, so this one made me get hungry. <laughs> it did. Karen Swenson, I was reading about this, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so hungry. And then I realized I didn't eat lunch.
3: Well, that's not good. Well, <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, you need, you need to
6: go on our Instagram page. It's very craveable.
2: <laughs> well, not only that, but I just even went to the home site and I realized that there are several restaurants here in my area. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've got to go check this place out.
6: But <laughs> well, wonderful. Where are you located?
2: I'm in Chicago.
6: Okay, yeah, I think we have either two or three locations and we we have two very strong franchise groups that are growing throughout that area.
2: That's awesome. Yep. I saw you got one in the city and you've got one in Naperville and I forget the second location. I think it's near the city. So, um, but first let's talk about you, Elizabeth. You want to talk about um, Sharon and then I'm, I can't, or Shannon, and then I can't wait to talk about the brand.
3: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do a little intro so people have a little background understanding from what Shannon is doing. She is the vice president of franchise development at Dave's Hot Chicken, uh, a national hot chicken concept based in Los Angeles. Uh, She's held this role since October of 2019, and under her leadership, they have signed over 50 operators and over 100 committed units, including a development in Canada and the Middle East. She has more than 18 years of experience in franchise development, has worked for the brands such as Image for Kids, Twin Peaks Restaurants, and Salsarita's Fresh Mexican Grill, uh, where she has supported both corporate and franchise growth. She has an MBA in marketing uh, marketing management and global business from the University of Dallas. So that gives you a bit of a background, but I am really excited to find out how she did all this. And these 600 commitments were over the last two years. So during a pandemic, I think this is going to be really exciting to understand exactly how you were able to keep all those parts going under duress. Yeah. I mean, they say everything is bigger in
2: Texas, but I mean, 600 (laughs) units during COVID is like outrageously large. It is. about that, I mean, how do you do that, irrespective of what the brand is? how How do you move forward in these circumstances like that at that pace? Yeah, absolutely.
6: So we uh, launched our franchising in October two thousand nineteen. I come on board with Dave's Hot Chicken, um, and when the when I when I joined the concept, they only had one restaurant open which a lot of times, you know, when they were first recruiting me for the concepts, I thought, you know, the one restaurant, they're not ready for franchising. But I flew out to to L.A., met the team, realized a lot of the team was uh, the team that had been behind the launch of Blaze Pizza, which was a a very fast-growing concept as well. So I realized there was a really strong leadership, and it was a great product. So I ended up joining them in October 2019. We did our first PR release right about that time. And the leads started coming in you know fairly quickly, you know had high level interest in the brand. But as we know, our, our world changed a few months after that. I mean it was in December of, of that year that the COVID cases started being reported and, and then it was you know February, March, the following year that the shutdowns happened. So certainly for most franchise brands, uh, that's a scary time. And, and as everybody knows, the restaurant industry in particular got hit very hard during this time. Um, And at at that time as well, the majority of our restaurants were in LA and California completely shut down. So we were looking at it from both fronts. Um, You know, first our our restaurant shut down. So we had to figure out how we could pivot very quickly through that. Um, And we got online ordering in place within a week. Uh, focused heavily on third party delivery and instead of our sales going down our sales our sales soared we went up 20% in sales uh, within a month's time after COVID shutdowns um, we also have very very strong volume so that that helped but certainly um, we were very surprised that the brand did so well during COVID um, also I very quickly pivoted so I realized that I couldn't keep franchising going Um, Unless we could engage with candidates and our process before had been we'd invite candidates to L.A. for an in-person discovery day and they'd meet the team and we toured the restaurant. We had had a a whole approach to how we introduced candidates to the concept. And so within a week, I I pivoted and in in my previous life, i had never used Zoom for my franchise sales process. And, uh, you know, so I thought, okay, how can I make sure that we're still engaging with candidates, we're introducing them to the concept, introducing them to leadership and keeping things going forward. So we shifted our discovery day process uh, to Zoom discovery calls. So what we do is when I engage with a candidate, um, I, if they're qualified, I get them on a call with all of our leadership and we take them through a presentation. So instead of an in-person discovery day, we're now doing an in-person Zoom discovery call. Uh, once they qualify after that call, we then have them put together a business plan and they actually present their business via Zoom. Um, and so we actually, what we found during this time, um, you know, kind of out of necessity because of, of uh, COVID shutdowns, um, is that we got very efficient with our process. So we were able to engage with candidates faster. Um, they, we were able, to, you know, instead of them having to buy a plane ticket, get out to meet us, to get engaged with our team, we were able to do that all through Zoom. Uh, we were able to, you know, be very efficient about our, our business plan review process and everything else. And so instead of um, a lot of, you know, slowing down in franchising, which would have happened to most concepts, instead ours just took off. Um, so we signed all 600 of those commitments in the last two years throughout COVID from, from basically January of 2020 2020 till now. Um, and, you know, it, it's been my biggest uh, couple of years of my
3: career in 18 years
6: has been during this time, um, which was a very tough time for the restaurant industry as a whole.
3: So Shannon, I'm curious um, about getting these commitments launched. How many stores have you opened and what, challenges are you facing because of supply chain issues or hiring issues and that kind of thing with these, with these franchisees who are starting kind of a, a pit economically as a country and with the COVID and the unknowns? How are you helping them navigate through that process? Because I think it's a challenging time for anybody to start a business, but with strong leadership behind them, what are you able to do to help them through that?
6: Yes, absolutely. So at the beginning of last year, 2021, we had seven locations open. Uh, we ended the year with 40 locations open, and we're on track this year to open 80 locations. So we're scaling up very, very quickly. Uh, you know, one thing is we were very committed to so we only bring on very high-level multi-unit restaurant operators. So we don't bring on any uh, startups. We, you know, we we're not training people in the restaurant industry. We're bringing on you know very experienced restaurant operators. So that that's really helped during this time. Um, but you know, when we, when COVID very first started, we had one of our restaurants to open in San Diego that opened, um, opened as a restaurant that was during the shutdown. So they opened with only third party delivery and takeout, which that was very interesting. That was a a first for everybody to basically open a restaurant during a a shutdown. Um, and again, they opened with phenomenal sales, you know, as, as third party delivery and takeout only. Um, Another challenge we had is we were opening in Canada during the shutdown. Canada was actually shut down to where we could not get training teams into Canada during their opening. Uh, Mm -hmm. So as another first, we did uh, training all via Zoom. And now that's not an ideal situation and we won't stick with that process, uh, Mm -hmm. but it was what we had to do to get the restaurant open. And and again, they opened up with phenomenal sales and and lines out the door and, and executed operationally very well. Um, so it was really a test to our entire team of, of how to get creative about um, very challenging times during, during the restaurant industry. Uh, obviously, as we all know, uh, you know, during, during shutdowns and, and heightened unemployment, the restaurant industry was also hit very hard uh, of labor shortages. Um, fortunately for us, we, we did pay, um, I think we paid $3 extra an hour for kind of like hazard pay, you know, for people working during mm-hmm. COVID. That helped. And also the fact that we're just kind of a cool brand. People do want to work for our concept. So we have been surprised that, um, you know, we we are normally able to to staff up. We certainly are finding a lot of challenges um, in supply chain, you know, equipment, fryers that used to take six weeks to get now take six months to get. Yeah. So we're preparing our vendors in advance for our growth because we're, we have such substantial growth we need even more. So we're preparing our vendors for that. And a lot of our franchisees that, you know, know that they have multiple restaurants opening up, they're getting storage buildings and buying equipment way in advance because you need to be prepared for that. Um, you know, so it's just you just kind of have to stay on top of all of these issues uh, during these trying times. Uh, we also are having issues with, you know, a lot of our logo packaging, our, our logo cups and logo, logo to go packaging and stuff is obviously yeah. stuck out and ships
2: um, coming from China. And so, you know, those are just some things we kind of have to do without right now. Wow. It's interesting when I read the story about Dave's Hot Chicken and the four uh, friends who started this whole thing. Um, and, you know, I can say all of their first names, but I couldn't figure out how to pronounce not one well, okay, Keller, I could say his last name. But the other three, I'm like, oh yeah, I couldn't say their last name. Um, yeah, really yeah I, like, I could not get there. Uh, hi, Mickey. <laughs> I see Mickey in the um, But $900 to build this little place to get it going. And I love how after being open, they throw it out on Instagram, right? And two nights later, after Eater LA shows up, the place is booming crazy with lines around the building like yeah i, I mean talk about yeah, true, true
6: rags to riches american dream kind of story without a doubt yeah.
2: yeah yeah and so when you're talking about pivoting and you guys doing 600 stores and you know during COVID, i'm like well that's just very much like this you know throw it out on instagram and and here mm-hmm. they all come i mean it's really amazing they've really got a great great story to tell I can't wait to check it out. And and it shows you guys have everything from Mild to Reaper and the website really, it truly did make my mouth water. So where do you see the brand going in the next 12 to 24 months? What are the goals? What are the markets you're looking to hit?
6: Well, so, I mean, we're truly growing growing coast to coast at this point, You know, obviously the brand started in LA. So originally most of our locations opened throughout California, then we expanded to Portland. Uh, to Denver, then jumped up to Chicago. We now have locations open in Dallas, Fort Worth, and Houston. Um, but I have I recently started selling very heavy on the East Coast. So last week, just sold uh, two territories in New York for upstate New York, as well as Manhattan uh, and Brooklyn. We are growing throughout Florida. So really, I mean, we're just coast to coast. And early on, we were approached by uh, a big developer in Canada, so we were you know, obviously growing in Canada. And then two weeks ago, we just signed a 50-store commitment for the Middle East. So we should be opening in the Middle East by the end of the year. So really, I mean, Dave's Hot Chicken is going to be worldwide within the next 12 to 18 months. Wow, it is hot.
2: It is so it definitely it's hot. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely hot. It is reefer hot, according to this. So, it is. so my, my question is, we always ask franchisors, you know, like, um, tell us a little bit about the commitment to get in. Obviously, I heard you say that you're looking for experienced restaurateurs, so to speak, people mm-hmm. who are familiar with the industry. You're looking for multi-unit buy-in, right? You're not looking for onesie, twosie. Is that correct?
6: Yes, that is correct. Yeah, all all of our operators have to own... Um, at least five or more restaurants. Although I'd say a, a good portion of our operators probably own 30 plus restaurants. Um, so it has kind of a match the equivalent of the territory size they're going to sign on for. So our minimum franchise commitment is five locations. Most franchisees sign on in the 10 store range.
2: Okay. And for those that are looking to get into this that have that kind of a uh, of experience, what are we talking in terms of investment and uh, you know first year working capital? What are you looking for? Yeah,
6: so the build-out cost per restaurant, your all-in investment cost can range from $588,000 to $980,000, with most of them costing in about the eight hundred fifty dollars range. So because we are looking for franchisees that can build um, uh, territories in the 5 to 10 store range, we're normally looking for about a million in liquid assets. Um, because since we're a young brand, most, uh, banks are requiring that our franchisees need to fully fund, uh, the first location and then they can normally get lending on the second location going forward.
2: Okay. And let me ask you, um, what do you think? I mean, obviously the chicken uh, industry, it's you're going into a pretty full, there's a lot of different options out there, right? For somebody looking for chicken. What makes Dave the one? What makes Dave's the chosen brand, not only for somebody looking to, to enter into that um, particular category, but what about even for somebody looking, go and eat? What makes Dave so yeah. fun? Absolutely.
6: Well, I think as everybody, you know, in the restaurant industry has known that chicken has been a hot category for some time. And as an as American, you know, chicken is a staple food product. And so that's why, you know, Chick-fil-A and Raising Cane's and, you know, a lot of the chicken competitors are on every corner because and, and they're packed, you know. So chicken is just kind of a, a mainstream, um, you know, food, food product. You know, Dave's is very differentiated between the the Chick-fil-A's and the Raisin Cane's and the KFC's and everything else because it's got the national hot flavor. And the younger demographic is really drawn to these spicy flavor profiles. They're drawn to uh concepts that are really hot on social media which we are um and so it really is just this very craveable and bold flavor flavor profile um and then you also see that we kind of hit this this opportunity right at a time that that nashville hot in particular was becoming very popular it all of a sudden started getting introduced on multiple different menu, menus um where they were trying a nashville hot sauce flavor so At this point, we're really the only true national player in the national hot hot space. Um, You know, it's very popular, but most of them are owned by more mom and pop or one-off locations. So we really are poised to be the major national player in this segment.
2: Okay, excellent. And so um, we we always ask people, and obviously your um, information will be all over our website, but if somebody wants, to get in touch with you or is interested in Dave's Hot Chicken, how can they go about getting a hold of you?
6: Yeah, absolutely. So if they just go to our website at Dave'sHotChicken.com, there's a section on our website to inquire about franchise information. It's a very brief form that they can fill out, and then I uh, get back with them within 24 hours.
2: Awesome. You are one busy lady. Yes. I appreciate your time. I like to be busy. Yeah. Well, I don't know how you do it. And we know you have children as well. And now you have a new dog. And so um, I can't imagine how you get it all done. But in all in 24 hours, I think that's fabulous. Congratulations on your great success. Um, I'm excited to see where Dave's Hot Chicken goes, especially with all of your stuff going internationally. Sharon Swenson with Dave's Hot Chicken out of Texas. Thank you again so very much for joining us. And we'll look forward to catching up with you again in the next 6 to 12 months to find out where you've gone. Wonderful. Thank
0: you so much for having me. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new move-ins to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or y.com. Sherry.
1: Kristen,
4: so great to see you again.
2: And you as well. How are you?
4: I'm doing wonderful. I could stand a little warmer weather, right? I'm sure you're oh. feeling effects there.
2: Yeah, it was 10 degrees this morning. And and you know, as Ray always likes to do, especially when he's away, you know how so much I hate the cold weather. He sent me a nice photo of him and Daisy, but only their feet, so I could see the sand and the beach and the palm
4: trees. That's just all sorts of wrong, isn't it?
2: He's such a pal.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: yeah. I well, feel we had like- a great we had a great guest on, didn't we? Oh Shannon, my God, that's an amazing concept.
2: It really is. And, you know, I can just totally envision these guys out there on their first night making this chicken and then, you know, to have Eater LA come out and start Instagramming it. I mean, that's just kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I want to call it old school, but it's really, um, there's another word for it that kind of guerrilla marketing almost, only it's a new way because it's all social media, right?
4: Well, and, and they know their demographics, and uh, so you've got the hot side, which the demographics prove out. I
2: think is going to help them is the fact that they are a little more selective. They are looking for experienced restaurant owners, right? And And a lot of times in franchise, we talk about you know, not having to have experience. And in their model, they've changed it up a little bit, but that's how they can explain such great growth.
4: Yeah, I mean, the people they're bringing in already understand the franchise industry. They just need to know more about um, Dave's Hot Chicken so they understand how to present it and how to put it together and so on. So it's brilliant.
2: Absolutely,
4: absolutely.
2: Hey, so I guess today we're going to be talking about uh, some more live it to own it.
4: Well, yeah, and it fits right in with uh, what we just talked about. You know, uh, the next chapter, the chapter we're going to talk about today, is called the Tempo Effect, mm-hmm. and this is a this is a tool my partner, my writing partner, and my partner in the joint actually has used with uh, massive companies across the the globe to change the way they do business, and uh, and it's perfect for the franchising industry. It's perfect for Uh, new franchisees looking at, uh, you know, whether they got the skill sets and how they have to change and modify some of the ways they approach things in order to be successful franchisees. So it's one of the longer chapters in the book uh, for Mm -hmm. good reason. There's a lot of information in there. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to tap into just a little bit of it today. But um, the tempo effect literally is an acronym. Tempo is an acronym and t t T stands for time right? Time is something we cannot replace. It, is, it has to be our most highly leveraged resource. We've got to manage it. We've got to leverage it. We've got to use it to our best uh, impact, right? Yep, and you absolutely. Know me, one of the acronyms I love is OPT, which is other people's time, right? So <laughs> finding great people. I like to hire people smarter than me so that they can go out and use their time to get all of us to a, a different spot in, you know, the continuum. And then uh, E is expertise. And that's one part of that is the expertise you bring. If you worked in corporate America in marketing, then maybe some of your marketing expertise will help in this, in this endeavor. Uh, if you worked in the back office doing payroll or doing, uh, you know, uh, bill paying or any of those kinds of things, human resources, all of those things are a piece of this so when you're looking at a franchise if your skill set matches or if there will be a big demand on your skill set from that franchise maybe that's a a really good fit for you now those two
2: things collectively could really set you back i know certainly did for me you know using my own time to try to figure out QuickBooks. you know i'm a pretty slow learner when it comes to, to that whole system and i finally figured it out but you know, the whole time value of money as a franchise owner or a business owner, you have to really think about that. Is that really the best use of your time?
4: Well, and that leads right into, you know, the further definition of that is, is advisors and expertise. So hiring time, hiring mm-hmm. people who do pieces of that in your uh, situation, hiring somebody who already knows how to do QuickBooks, who can handle all of that in a fraction of the time for a small you know, amount of money. So because your skill sets would lead more towards building your business and exploding it, which yes. leads to more cash coming in than you would have had otherwise, right? That's right. Absolutely. So and of course, the E leads right into M, which is one of my favorite subjects. And that's money. And you know, my acronym for that OPM, other people's money, right? <laughs>
2: your so, favorite one,
4: my favorite one. So leveraging your money, and your skill sets to attract other money. So investors, partners, even even lending institutions want to know that you've got a certain amount of money to put into the into the operation. But maybe more importantly, they're going to want to know that you can protect their money, the money they give you. So that comes back to expertise and time, right? There's there's some value to that and lenders or partners understand that. And I have financed our different acquisitions and businesses through virtually every vehicle out there, so I can speak pretty confidently about what our partners, our advisors, our lenders are looking for when it comes to expertise and time. So that
2: actually, not to interrupt you, but don't you find that that actually makes it more attractive because you have a complete package of talent rather than just one person or two people trying to do it all. You now actually have people that you could say are experts in each field, right? It's kind of a, the the sum is greater, you know, than just one.
4: Well, that's that's absolutely true, and um, you know, tying back into what Shannon was talking about from Dave's Hot Chicken, you know, um, these, you know, if you're a new franchise banks and lending institutions are nervous. So when you come in as a a confident uh, advisor type franchisee, and you can paint a picture or tell a story, we talked about that last week, telling your story, and and you have a little bit of money to put into it and all those other kinds of things, it makes it much easier for that person to make the decision to invest in you. Again, whether it's a lending institution or a, a partner or whatever, They've got to feel confident about that. So time, right, is important, Mm -hmm. expertise, and then money. So that, you know, the the last piece about money is there are ebbs and flows to every business cycle, no matter what business you're in. If you are a good practitioner, a good franchisee, you understand the ebbs and flows of revenue in your business, in your geographical locations. And if you understand that, you know when you're going to need extra money, in other words, perhaps a line of credit or more money from your partners to fill that void until Mm -hmm. revenues pick back up and cash flow gets where it needs to be. So, you know, those three tied together are super powerful, no matter whether we talk about the next two or not, but I'm going to because that's what we do. And the next one is people. People. Leveraging your relationships, leveraging your advisors, leveraging the people in your life uh, is critical. And, you know, we always talk. About having great advisors, I talk about CPAs, attorneys, and bankers as being yep. our biggest advisors and partners in our operations. Um, if you've already got pre-existing relationships with people in those fields, you may not may, may not have needed them. Maybe you know them from golfing or you know some other enterprise, but they know you, and most lenders invest in you. So the right. people in your life, they need to know who you are prior to getting into this, if at all possible, or again, if you've got a great story to tell so they get to know you as they're looking at this thing, people are critical. And never forget, this is this is something I learned a long time ago. I had a really good friend who was a CPA. We used him in, in some of our businesses. We were looking for a new lender. By golly, he knew a new lender. He knew somebody he had done business with. He knew somebody who was looking for uh, organizations like ours to put money into he connected us, we did a loan, it was a match made in heaven, and I had very little to do with it other than the story. Well, awesome. and our financials, of course, but other um, <laughs> thing. So people, and the last piece of the tempo effect is opportunities, because you never know where they're going to come from. You never know how your skill sets are going to fit into those. So looking at your opportunities, understanding them, and, and a couple stories. Again, I train with stories, right? So every one of the acquisitions we've done in our business over the years, I think we've done six acquisitions. Every one of those was related to a relationship that I built, not related to an acquisition. It was related to the relationship and being involved with that person and sharing, you know, um, uh, intellectual property that we developed with our friends in the industry so that they could succeed and get to another level. So when they decided to get out, We were the first person they called. So having that relationship created opportunities. Yep. And the last one I'll share with you, we just just decided to buy a daycare. Now, I had no interest in being in daycare, but the bottom line (laughs) is the biggest issue with our staff, many of them are mothers. Some of them are single mothers. They couldn't get Mm -hmm. good daycare, affordable daycare. Uh, reliable daycare, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So we literally was uh, thinking about the problems in our industry with staff, looking at the lake, and said, you know what? If we can give them better daycare, I think that will help solidify and retain our existing um, staff, but also it will be a recruitment tool to bring in new new staff. So we bought a daycare, created a a strategic avenue where our staff can uh, gain subsidized daycare through that, uh-huh. So it will cost them the same or less than what they're paying right now. And they get highly trained, effective, uh, you know, forward leaning
1: right. education
4: for their preschool uh and toddler children. So
2: that's um, awesome.
4: Opportunities. Opportunities spin off into more opportunities and spin off into more of them. They're all related to relationships, which are people, and you yep. gotta have money and expertise and time the most highly leveraged thing that we've got to gain all of that. So um this sets you up to learn and I will tell you if you get really good at the tempo effect and this is proven you will outlearn, outperform, and out earn everybody else around you. That's the tempo effect and that's the message for this week, Kristen.
2: I think that's absolutely amazing, Jerry. And I I have to tell you, I think we'd be hard-pressed to find another group of employees that wouldn't vote you to be individually and and your team there to be employers of choice in small business because you guys have done such great things. And for those of you who have have been following Jerry, I have to tell you, I am also reading his book and all this great information that he's been sharing over the last couple weeks. And we're only at Chapter 2, Jerry.
4: (laughs) I know, Kristen. There's a lot in there.
2: I mean, we're only at chapter two. So if you want to also kind of follow along, again, you can get Jerry's book, Live It to Own It. It's a great read, easy read, and you will not be disappointed. Jerry, thank you again for your time and for sharing the highlights of your book here with us on Tulsa Franchising.
4: Thanks, Kristen. But wait, there's one last question. Uh-oh. Jerry, is it
0: still yeah. a good
4: time to buy a franchise,
0: or should we flee, run
4: in terror? Tell us, Obi-Wan Acres. You know, Fred, uh, I still believe this is a phenomenal time. Again, some of the same metrics are in place. Uh, there are people with money to lend right now. They're looking for great places to put their money that's going to be safe and give them the return they want. Yes, there are staffing issues. There's, that's, frankly, we always have staffing issues. Right now it's a little higher than it is in times in the past. But once again, there are always hurdles to go through. And staffing is one of the things we just have to figure out how to manage. It is manageable. There are, people are looking for employers of choice, uh, as Kristen just touched on. And I will tell you, there, it's one, I think it's kind of a revival time in franchising. So you've got a massive exodus of people from corporate America, and you actually have one of the largest and broadest cross-sections of franchises available out there right now, as ever in history. So there's a lot of great opportunities. There's money to be loaned. There's expertise. There's amazing mentors like the people that are on this show. Now is an amazing time to get into franchising. So don't look back. Don't second guess yourself. Get out there and start using some of the tools that I've put in the book and we've talked about on the show to pick something. Go get one.
0: So my only problem with your answer is you didn't phrase it the way Yoda would have, but that's okay, Yoda. I mean, Jerry. <laughs> and Elizabeth, of course, is muted.
3: Yeah, but I was going to say four franchise, right? And if you want to buy his book, I've got it right here. com is the easiest place to find it, um, so be sure to go out there and get one. If you have questions during the show, you can always call in. At 323-580-5755, we can get questions to Jerry, to our guests. Up next, we've got Karen Kimsey-Sward, Ford, is going to continue her series on building leaders, um, which has been really interesting. So if you have any questions for her, go ahead and give us a call. Uh, um, Up next, Karen. Oh, there's Karen. Hello. Hi, Karen. How are you?
2: I'm good. Happy Thursday. Oh, that's why I love to call it Friday Eve, because it yes. just feels a little bit closer to the weekend. Me too. Yeah. So what did you have for us this week? You're doing such a great series.
5: Thanks. You know, we're going to continue on with with talking about, you know, um, how do we grow leaders in our franchise? Because that just really seems to be, um, I think, the biggest angst that, yes. that we feel in franchises. Um, we're feeling the stress of, of of hiring 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 people, but also how do we grow and how do we keep our leaders because we know they're a really important part in making sure they're they're kind of the linchpin, right? And sure. how to work with our employees and keep our employees. Yep. And so part of that today is the importance of trust and really building a trust culture. I think and, that's awesome. And how it just really plays a part in how we, we as the franch it starts with us us the franchisee and then making sure that we're we're modeling that and making sure that our our leaders are modeling that as, as well. Awesome. Different ways of how we can begin to build trust. Okay, great. Okay, we'll start out with, first of all, uh, the number one would be, and these are my four. There's a, there are a lot we could talk about, right? And I said, okay, I'm gonna hone it down to four. One is, how about this one? Say what you mean and mean what you say. Ooh, that's a good one. Isn't it? You know, cause don't you think a lot of times, you know, as leaders, we'll, 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 we'll talk, We'll talk things, we'll say, here are our values, here's how we're going to live, here's how we're going to operate. Making sure we really live that. And yep. even you know, when our back's against the wall, making sure that we we live those principles. And when we talk about culture, it's not just saying, okay, I'm going to live them. And, right. you know, I even tell my, my team is I want to live it. And if I'm not, you know, call me out. You know Absolutely. My attention in a way where to say, you know, wait a minute, this isn't lining up making sure that our, our, all of our leaders, that we're all modeling this and that we're also coaching each other to make sure that we're we're being very congruent.
2: Yes. And I think that's really important. I think it's really good that you encourage your employees to do that. I know I do that too. And I will tell the girls, listen, I'm not feeling well today. So if I give you an off the cuff answer, or you're like, what is wrong with her? Come in the office, close the door and say, okay, so that didn't go so well. What's going on today? You know, not that I expect them to, to you know, manage up all the time, but certainly if something didn't go well, I want to make sure that I'm providing the same expectations that I expect them to give to others, right? And so it's it's all setting the example every day. Absolutely, because you know, and, and we need
5: to give people permission to do that. They're just not going to automatically do it because we're the we're the leader, right? right. So we to make sure that we're we're saying to them, and I do the same thing. Where I'm like, if I if I say something, if if it comes across a certain way, ask more questions. And then again, there's that, and then making sure that I respond to it positively and don't go down their throat when they do bring something up. Absolutely. We're congruent there. Um, the second one is, is it kind of goes hand in hand. It's communicating openly, being transparent. And that's one where we can, it's funny, we talk a lot, I talk with so, with franchisees about this and, and talk about that transparency. And they're like, well, yeah, yeah, well, well, but, or what about this? And what about that? You know, they always want to have these nuances. And they'll say, you know, a lot of times what happened is in these times, these crazy times with with COVID, they're like, how can I, how can I be honest? If I'm really honest and transparent, people might want to, they might want to leave. Uh, so I would always tell them, you know, it's really important to, to have, kind of like have the reality, but then also have the hope and optimism with it too. By not, not sharing reality, I think people know, they know what's going on. So by not really speaking some of the truth, so it's about, hey, we have an issue here's what's going on, and we have a plan. So as long as we're, 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 we're candid and we say, here's how we're gonna solve it, and those go hand in hand, people respect you more, and there's more of a trust that they're like, okay, I'm gonna stick around here, and I'm gonna work together. And, and I think that's where I think, instead of just sweeping difficult issues under the rug, it's really working, and then and saying, here's how you can help
2: us. And then
5: together, working as a team, that really does build the trust.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Very good. And then the third one is,
5: how about this one? Staying steady under pressure. And this is one that I have to practice because, you know, I'm type A and, 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 and so I have to go take a deep breath. So it's staying steady under pressure. Cause when you're, my dad would always tell me, Karen, when your back's against the wall, when someone's back is against the wall, that really is their true character. It's really, it's, it's how they show up. And so what happens is the leader, Many times people take their cue from us. And yeah. And I had a a leader one time that, you know, a couple leaders this way, where they're really good. Right. If something would happen, they would just totally blow up.
2: Yeah. Sometimes it's it's a matter of taking that deep breath or saying, you know, I need five minutes. Walk away. And then come back around to address it in a couple minutes. Right.
5: Absolutely. Because if you don't do that and you keep doing the blowing up over time, what happens? people don't want to tell you bad news they don't want to trust you with information they're going to hide things from you and that again really undermines undermines the trust
2: yeah i have that issue when we like you know ruin a five thousand dollar shower or maybe we back into a mailbox and wreck a car you know things like that that could be totally preventable uh-huh. <laughs> it's hard isn't it <laughs> yeah I often need to take a couple of hours and a really big deep breath <laughs> exactly, exactly. And,
5: and, and that's why I, I use the word grace. Okay. Yes. People give me grace every day. I yes. provide them with a little bit of grace. You know, mm-hmm. it's been my, that's my been my key, my key word. <laughs>
1: so. Yes.
5: Okay. Which goes into the fourth one, and that's don't play the blame game. And that one is once that starts, I've noticed that it starts in a culture, really not good. Yeah. Has, right? Because if something happens and then everybody's blaming everybody else, And I'm always like, okay, let's take a look first at the process. Because in franchises, we have processes. Sure,
2: we do. Let's
5: take a look at the process first. Okay, if it's not the process and it's someone, it's really addressing it directly. Yep. With them about it and talking about there is accountability there. And it's also making sure that you're directed to the person and not talking about the person to somebody else. Right. And undermining them because someone's going to say, well, if they're talking about them they're, you know, then you're going to talk about me too. Yeah. Making sure that we model that and that we often make sure our leaders are modeling it and not, and not pointing. There's not a lot of pointing fingers and pointing fingers at each other.
2: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think that in some, some systems the right thing to do is to make sure that you build in the right accountability tools so that you can't have this kind of point the fingers both ways, make sure that you can clearly define what, where did the process fail? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. You know, Cause it, then it's not, it's, it's, it's
5: not necessarily sometimes a people, it, it could be a process. Sure. And if yeah. it's, people, well, you're right. There's the accountability in place where then you can handle it. And that's trust too, because when they, sure. the way you handle it, other people trust you because of how you handle it. And then also as your other leaders have handled it too.
2: Yeah. Often we used to say, you know, this, this is no longer a training issue. Now this becomes a performance issue, right? Exactly,
5: exactly. So. And again, how you handle that sets up the, the trust for the organization, sets up trust for the leaders. And when if that's how you operate and work, they want to
2: work for you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Karen, thank you again so much for all of your help. And I don't know what it is, but he's a little what <laughs> He up. does. That's right. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of it. I turned on the flashlight, so we think someone must be here. Usually the UPS guy. Who knows? Ah, Happy time. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Karen. I really appreciate you um, coming to share some of your tips with us again, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week. And for those of you that joined us again uh, next week, we will be back with more pillars of franchising. Um, I do want to remind you that if you are thinking about buying a franchise. If franchising interests you, if you think that it's something that might be up your alley and you want to explore some of the opportunities available, as of Franchising does offer a consulting uh, aspect to it. So please go to the, the website, fill out the your dream starts here uh, portion, and we will certainly get in touch with you to discuss what kinds of brands seem to fit with the lifestyle you're looking for, the budget that you have, and the skill sets that you want to use in your business again this has been pillars of franchising we would like to thank shannon swenson for joining us from dave's hot, hot chicken um for coming on the show today please be sure to like share and comment on this episode and as always we want to thank ray pillar david kajanek jerry Akers, our million dollar mentors for their insight and wisdom i am kristen shell your fourth million dollar mentor and together we are your resource for franchising success we help you buy and grow your franchise to make your dreams a reality this has been Toledo Franchising and the Dream Starts
1: Here. <laughs> I love up, I up, you, up, I I